Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to the second-ever playoff edition of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb, and we had some excellent action, I would say, from Division Weekend leading up to what will be uh, Championship Weekend next weekend, I guess Championship Sunday, uh, more specifically what it would be called, both games, um, AFC and NFC being on Sunday next week. A lot of people, I was surprised um, to hear that uh, um, you know some announcers and fans, uh, their favorite weekend is Division Weekend, uh, not the Championship Weekend. We'll, we can debate about that later, but let's get to the games from Division Weekend. And let's start out in the AFC with uh, the first game of the weekend in Denver. The Baltimore Ravens went in to Mile High Stadium and defeated the Broncos in double overtime, 38-2. to 35, and this was a pretty big upset uh, on paper. These teams, to be honest, on paper, they're pretty close. Um, and, you know, it's easy to say after the fact. I think a lot of people were picking Denver. Obviously, a lot of people thought it would be Manning versus Brady one more time in the AFC Championship game. Um, but Baltimore... You know, all week I was telling people I didn't think this game would be close. I didn't think it would be close. I thought Denver was going to win. Denver was my pick uh, to win the AFC. If you've been uh, paying attention to my picks uh, last week on the show or, or uh, in my articles, um, and then seeing Denver play the first couple minutes of this game, I thought that they were going to go all the way and and win the Super Bowl. But very quickly, Baltimore had an answer every time. The Broncos scored, and it was it was pretty amazing. This game was back and forth. You look at the box score; uh, each team scored the same amount of points in each quarter, uh, fourteen in the first, and then seven in the second, third, and fourth quarters, and then the just the lone field goal for Baltimore in double overtime after a scoreless overtime session. What sticks out in my mind in this game is how many touchdowns were scored. Not by the offenses. Uh, there was a lot of yards in this game. Uh, Baltimore had 479 yards. Uh, Denver nearly eclipsed 400 yards as well with 398. But Denver scored twice with kickoff returns. One was a punt return and then a kickoff return to start off the second half. And that gave them a seven-point lead each time. But Baltimore answered back very quickly in the first quarter to tie it up with a long pass to Torrey Smith from Joe Flacco. Uh, Smith burned uh, Champ Bailey, which actually happened a couple times during the game, which you were surprised about. The Broncos' defense, defensive scheme leaves Bailey out on that island because they think he is capable of covering the number one man from every single offense, and he usually is. But on Saturday against Baltimore, he could not keep up with the faster, younger Torrey Smith, and he got burned a couple times, twice for touchdowns in the first half. Uh, that uh, second touchdown from Torrey Smith came with less than a minute in the second quarter um, with from 32 yards away, and that tied the score at 21 all um, at halftime. But going back to the, the returns for touchdowns, uh, after it was tied 7-7, Peyton Manning threw a pass that was tipped, 
and then intercepted by Corey Graham, returning 39 yards for a touchdown. That was Baltimore's only lead in regulation, 14-7. to On the next drive, Peyton Manning drove the Broncos down the field, and a very nice pass to Brandon Stokely in the corner of the end zone to tie it back up at 14. And then, as I said, Denver took a 21-14 lead, but then another pass to Torrey Smith tied it 21-21 at half. Then uh, we saw the kickoff return again from Trinidad Holiday. If I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. The first player in playoff history to have a punt return and a kickoff return uh, for a touchdown in a playoff game. He has the record for the longest uh, punt return and kickoff return, I think, by at least by a Bronco, maybe in NFL history in the playoffs. And he got him in the same game, which was quite, quite incredible. Uh, and Baltimore, I think, was lucky to bottle him up the rest of the game, to be honest. Uh, but it took a little longer uh, in the third quarter, but the Ravens answered back with less than a minute left in the third quarter. They scored again with Ray Rice, tying it back up at 28. Denver looked like they were going to lock up the game. Uh, they were up 35-28 with less than a minute to go. No timeouts. Baltimore had to drive down the field. A 70-yard heave to Jacoby Jones and Joe Flacco completion of so didn't go 70 yards in the air but the final a total yardage was 70 yards Flacco really showing off that arm has one of the strongest arms in the NFL and just really poor defense from the Broncos the the Denver got ultra conservative uh, at the end of the second uh, quarter and at the end of the second half at the end of the fourth quarter um, on third and seven with uh, less than two minutes to go, they uh, elected to run it um, to, to eat up some clock and get rid of that last timeout from the Ravens, I believe. They had to burn that last timeout. Uh, when you got Peyton Manning, I think you got to sling it in that in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm playing Monday morning quarterback, I know, uh, and Denver ended up losing this game. But with Peyton Manning, you think on third and seven, you dial up a play that's high percentage. You got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he's not going to throw an interception. He's not going to make a mistake. Throw a pass, you know, and, and try to end the game there. In the, the, the NFL today, it's very rare, even for the best defenses, to be trusted because this is the kind of stuff that happens. A defensive lapse and you give up a touchdown, it's a tie game again um, at 35 and going into overtime. And in at the end of both halves, uh, Denver got very conservative as well, taking knees. Uh, at the end of the first half with about 35 seconds left. And the same thing at the end of the fourth quarter. 35 and 40 seconds left. Took a knee. All three timeouts in both cases. Yeah, they, they had um, the whole field to go. They were at their own 25-30 yard line. But still, three timeouts. You got Peyton Manning. I think you sling it there. Again, um, rather than playing for the second half or playing for overtime. Uh, and, and then if you watch this game, you saw Peyton Manning's big mistake. At the close to the end of uh, the first overtime, with throwing a pass across his body, uh, it was intercepted as he rolled. It, he threw a pass across his body as he rolled out to the right, intercepted, and then uh, the Ravens kicked uh, a game-winning field goal from 47 yards away. Justin Tucker. Uh, that's a lot of people might, may forget that the Ravens were eliminated last year because of a missed field goal from Billy Cundiff. They cut Billy Cumdiff, uh, replacing him with Justin Tucker, the rookie. And the rookie in his first big uh, playoff kick 
uh, comes through and gives Baltimore this victory, takes them back to the AFC Championship. A huge win. Few, final few thoughts. Um, Baltimore, they won the turnover battle again. And normally, I think at least in the first half, they weren't winning uh, the yardage um, game. You know, they were giving up more yards than they were getting on offense. Their defense was giving up more yards. But they got turnovers. They found ways to score. And Denver did too. Denver took advantage of special teams, which you thought if Baltimore was going to win this game, that Baltimore had to have a stellar day on special teams. They did not. But uh, they were able to come through anyway because of those three turnovers, all of them the result of Peyton Manning, which is a pretty big surprise. Two interceptions from Manning and a fumble. And that brings up my final point, an article that I wrote myself, uh, Peyton Manning, the ultimate paper champion. Uh, I hate you know writing something so negative about such a great player, but it, I think it's, it's important to look at how often... Manning has failed or has struggled in the playoffs. I don't want to use the word choke, but it's almost to that point. Yeah, he's a record, career record of 9-11 in the playoffs. It just is not a record that you think most Hall of Fame or most high-caliber quarterbacks would have, like a Peyton Manning. And um, just complete continues to fail year after year and you you kind of thought that maybe it was Indianapolis maybe it was you know the team around him he had to do so much for them but he had such a great team in Denver what a great defense second overall in yardage allowed great pass rush I mentioned Champ Bailey one of the best corners in the league still even at his age uh he did not have a good day at all um and then a decent running game and they weren't able to come through against Baltimore but give all the credit to Baltimore. They were they persevered through this game. Uh, maybe they're riding the emotion that Ray Lewis provided them at the beginning of the playoffs. Whatever it is, I think they're really hungry. Joe Flacco looks really good right now. And they are going to be a tough out, I really think so. I'm not saying that they're favored, that they're going to win the Super Bowl. But they're going to be a tough, tough out for New England next week. And I... I Honestly, I'll, we'll go with my picks later in the show, but honestly, I think they're going to beat New England, and they're going to be a tough out again in the Super Bowl. Going over to that New England game, they played Houston on Sunday evening. Uh, this game was a little closer than people thought, but ultimately New England pulled away and uh, beat Houston pretty soundly, 41-28. to To me, there's not any aspect that really sticks out, you know, and you can look at and say, hey, Houston lost because of this. You know, Houston lost because they lost the turnover battle, or they lost because they couldn't stop Tom Brady, or they or they had too many penalties, or they couldn't get a running game going. To me, New England just flat out was better than Houston, and it, it was pretty clear on Sunday that New England's just a level above Houston, and that the Texans are kind of you know, could, be, could probably be compared to the Falcons, although the Falcons got their first playoff win on Sunday. They're a good regular season team, and in the playoffs, they really can't beat the better teams. And I, I know it's only been two years. They've only gotten into the playoffs um, twice now, and last year it was with their third-string quarterback, and they still play Baltimore really tough. But I, I think just... 
down the stretch the last two years, they lost three or four both years in December and then um, beat a kind of a lackluster Cincinnati team both years. And then they go on the road and, um, you know, they lose to a team that just seems better than them. And uh, I don't know what they're going to do to take that next step uh, in the because re- in the regular season they look sound. You know they have a decent quarterback in Matt Schaub. Had a good game on Sunday, thirty-four for fifty-one, three hundred and forty-three yards, uh, two touchdowns. Did throw one pick. I think that was a pretty big play uh, late in the second half uh, that could have possibly changed the outcome of the game. Uh, Arian Foster is one of the best running backs in the game. They have a good defense. You got J.J. Watt, one of the best defensive ends, a rising player in the NFL. Uh, but but New England just simply was better, and they couldn't they couldn't stop Tom Brady. And I think the if you want to point to one key in this game, it was the turnover battle, the one interception from Matt Schaub, and no mistakes from Tom Brady. If you want to beat New England, you have to force him to throw an interception or two, or, or get pressure on him and get a fumble. Um, other than that, if he's playing at the top of his game, you know, New England can give up some points. That secondary, yeah, it can get gashed for 350 yards. But like you saw, you're not going to beat them if you can't stop Brady or... You're not going to stop Brady completely, but you have to slow him down. You have to get pressure on him and you have to cause a turnover or two to, I, I think, to beat New England. Um, and Baltimore is the team to do that. Uh, looking ahead to next week, we'll look ahead a little bit later as well, um, but I think um, Baltimore is a team that can cause some turnovers. But for New England, uh, real quickly, we talked a lot about Houston in this segment. New England. Just another playoff win. <laughs> it seems like another notch on their belt. Uh, Tom Brady uh, now holds the record for most playoff wins by a quarterback, passing the great Joe Montana. There's really not much else you can say, except uh, will they be able to go back to the Super Bowl, and, and can they win it this time? I think Tom Brady wants to join Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw as the only quarterbacks to win four Super Bowls. Obviously, he wants to do make that uh, reach that accomplishment. Um, but how heartbreaking would it be if New England goes and loses again? Um, but anyway, we'll get to uh, next week a little later in our show. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with the action from the NFC. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're going to move into the action from the NFC. We're going to start with the Sunday game, go in reverse. The Sunday game was a lot more exciting, at least at the end, than the Saturday game. The Seattle Seahawks went into Atlanta to play the Falcons, the Battle of the Birds. The Falcons prevailed, held on, after leading 20 to nothing at one point in this game. They held on for a 30-28 to win. 
the Seahawks scored 21 points in the fourth quarter and actually took a 28-27 lead with about a minute left, actually less than a minute, 31 seconds left, and uh, the Falcons were able to get a decent field position and throw two uh, passes down the field, uh, two or three passes down the field, and get Matt Bryan into field goal range, and he made a 49-yard field goal to win 30-28. to This is a huge win for Atlanta. And I just, watching Matt Bryan walk out to kick that field goal, you, you hate to say this about a field goal kicker, I think. Uh, you, you might want to say it about, you know, maybe a quarterback that has to take his team down the field for a winning drive or something. But as they got into field goal range with uh, 13 seconds left and Matt Bryant um, was going out for a field goal, I was just thinking to myself, man, this this is such a big kick. Obviously, it's a big kick, but just for the psyche of the Atlanta franchise and Matt Ryan and Mike Smith and just trying to just getting that playoff monkey off their back and not wanting to go 0 and 4 in the playoffs they were already 0 and 3 and they just I just think this franchise just needs one that just want, needed their first playoff win and I think they're ready to reel off uh, a bunch of them a bunch of wins and um so I I don't see you know this being a fluke win I I think once once this franchise got one, I think it was just a just now they can relax and just play rather than being tight and worried about losing. Uh, but they almost lost this game. They were up twenty to nothing at halftime. I think the big story early on is Seattle. Uh, how many uh, missed opportunities they had at the beginning of the game? In the in uh, set, they had seven plays in the red zone in the first half. They scored no points. There was a turnover on downs after going for it on 4th and 1. And then at the end of the half, Russell Wilson takes a sack. You can't really take a sack in that case. Uh, you hate to blame the rookie quarterback, but you really you really can't take a sack there. Um, with 10 seconds left, no timeouts. You can't get everybody back to the line. Uh, there was some controversy, apparently, about the clock. And some people thought one second was left when Russell Wilson hiked the ball uh, to throw it down the field. And it could have... Uh, would have led to a score, uh, would have been a touchdown. But uh, Fox, the, the channel that the game was on, their clock was wrong. And it was just off by a tenth of a second. Normally it doesn't matter you know, to the viewer that they don't have the exact game clock that they have at the stadium. But in this case, it made a difference. The, the game clock was... At zero, clearly at zero, uh, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks did not argue it. It was at zero, and the play did not count. Um, and there was also a discussion that even if uh, the, the clock was at one second, see, the Seahawks weren't lined up all the way, so it would have been a penalty and uh, no score anyway. But uh, missed opportunities from the Seahawks first half. They're down 20 to nothing. They're able to score first to make it 20 to 7, and, you know, the, the type of comeback they had last week and just the season the Seahawks have had, you weren't going to count them out of this game. But then when it was 27-7 to after Matt Ryan uh, threw another touchdown pass to Jason Snelling, 20-point lead, eh, Atlanta looked pretty comfortable. Um, but I think the game completely changed when Matt Ryan threw his second interception uh, in the... 
in the in the fourth quarter, um, picked off by Earl Thomas, I believe, had that interception, and that completely changed it. That was the big defensive play that Seattle needed. They were down by two scores, so they got the ball back, scored very quickly, and made it twenty-seven to twenty-one. And then you, you know you start Atlanta. You could tell it's like they're sitting on eggshells. They're just a little nervous. You're getting a little more nervous as the time goes. And um, I think they're thinking 0-3, 0-3, 0-3. And now we're blowing this game. We're up 20 to nothing. Now it's 27-21. And then, um, again, they weren't able to score or move the ball very much. And with less than a minute left, Marshawn Lynch goes in for the touchdown, fumbled. But he was across the plane already. So the score counted. Seattle took the 28-27 lead with 31 seconds. You thought that this game was over, but um, a good reminder from the announcers, uh, Brian Billick was the, the color guy. I believe Tom Brennan, if I, if I remember correctly, was the play-by-play. They actually did a game where the Falcons uh, had very little time left on the clock, where it got the ball and were able to throw it down the field and get Matt Bryan into field goal range. It was a few years ago. Uh, the game against the Chicago Bears, but they they ended up winning that game, and it was almost identical, even identical plays. Uh, Matt Ryan moving them down the field, getting them into field goal range, and as I said, the biggest, maybe the biggest field goal in Falcon franchise history, hit by Matt Ryan, uh, a pretty long one, not too long, no record-breaking, but a 49-yarder, we forget that that is definitely a, a missable kick, but it was... Uh, dead on, and Bryant, uh, you thought, sealed the victory for Atlanta, but with eight seconds left, they tried to do a squib kick, and it bounced off one of the upbacks, and all of a sudden, Seattle had the ball at the 45-yard line, and it looked like maybe they could quickly move into field goal range, but there just simply wasn't enough time on the clock with only uh, six seconds left. So they had to throw a heave into the end zone rather than kicking a 65-yard field goal after the first completion. They elected to throw a pass into the end zone, and it was picked off actually by Julio Jones. But um, a great effort by Seattle. People don't realize how difficult it is for a West Coast team to come east and play. Seattle did that two weeks in a row. And they had a lot of energy in both games, especially at the end of this game, to come back and nearly pull out the victory. But the story, obviously, is Atlanta winning their first playoff game. Matt Ryan, uh, Mike Smith, are, are they get rid of the goose egg in the win column, and they have uh, a win, and they can you know celebrate it a little bit. Even guy like uh, Tony Gonzalez has been in the league for 16 years. That was his first playoff victory. So a big deal in Atlanta. But very quickly, they have to get ready for a very tough San Francisco 49er team that's going to come into the Georgia Dome next week because they defeated the Green Bay Packers on Saturday night, 45-31. to San Francisco setting several records in this game, including Colin Kaepernick rushing for 181 yards, a quarterback record in any game, not a playoff record, any game. And uh, he set the playoff record for quarterback rushing in the first quarter and then went on to break the the all-time record in any game. Had two rushing touchdowns. Didn't do too badly through the air either. Uh, 263 more yards through the air. Two touchdowns. Did throw an interception early on in the game. So you thought 
Uh, I think casual fans were thinking, oh man, uh, where's Alex Smith? <laughs> Colin Kaepernick, uh, maybe he's a little too inexperienced. Uh, there's his first mistake uh, less than three minutes into the game. But uh, ultimately, he was a huge difference maker for the 49ers. 579 total yards for the 49ers. A, a franchise record in the playoffs. Huge yardage totals across the board in all four of these games. Huge offensive uh uh, bursts of, of action, just unbelievable uh, records being broken left and right. Um, Aaron Rodgers, a decent game, you know, 26 of 39, 257 yards, two touchdowns, had a bad interception uh, that probably wasn't a game changer uh, necessarily. But I, I think this this is just, the story of this game is definitely Colin Kaepernick and the, the 49ers' ability to be balanced. Um, we talk about balance on this show all the time. And they were able to run the ball and pass the ball very effectively against um, a Packers defense that has been improved. Um, it's not the best defense in the league by any means, but it, it's, I think, average or above average when all, they have all their stars and they're playing well. One thing I noticed that you know the announcers pointed out um, Dom Capers, the defensive coordinator for the Packers, had his defense in the man-to-man coverage. And because of the man-to-man, there wasn't uh, much of a quarterback spy, and everybody covering man-to-man, there were huge gaps for Colin Kaepernick to rush everywhere, anywhere he wanted. So I think that's something that Atlanta should look at and perhaps play more zone. I don't know why Green Bay didn't make more adjustments, but Colin Kaepernick continued to just uh, run all over them. And on the offensive side, um, not not enough, I think, in the running game for the Packers. Uh, 53 yards from Jawan Harris. He, he looked promising uh, the last few games of the regular season. I think he could be a good back next year. Uh, but only 11 rushes overall. So a 4.8 average, which is pretty good. But, you know, when you only rush the ball 11 times with your, your key guy and then, you know, Aaron Rodgers throwing 39 times, uh, you know, call me old school if you want, but... Look at the. I think that contributes to the time of possession. And if you look at the time of possession, 38 minutes in favor of 49ers because they're running the ball um, for you know over what 300 yards of total uh, rushing yards, and um, Green Bay doesn't doesn't run the ball um, hardly at all, and that contributed probably to a tired defense, and then it just it spirals. Green Bay can't stop them because they're tired. Um, one other thing, uh, more specifically to point out, they didn't. Uh, the Packers didn't have Randall Cobb as their uh, punt returner on every single punt. And early on in the game, it was uh, Green Bay. I think was winning at this point. Uh, yeah, I think it was fourteen to seven Green Bay. And Jeremy Ross was back for the Packers, and he muffed the punt and gave the uh, San Francisco the ball inside the 10-yard line. And that, I think, was a game-changer early on, uh, giving the 49ers the ball back uh, in the red zone, and they ended up scoring in a momentum-changer, just perhaps just like the Sam Shields interception of Colin Kaepernick early in the game was a momentum-changer, something that you know Green Bay had to be excited about. They have a great offense, uh, hoping to... Uh, you know, when, when you have a great offense and you score in other ways, it's just 
makes it even tougher to beat you. But then they really coughed that touchdown back up with that turnover, and then another turnover later in the game resulted in Green Bay losing the turnover battle. But again, I think the big story here is Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers offense being able to run the ball, and I think they'll continue to, to run the ball pretty effectively even on the road against Atlanta next week. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with uh, next week's predictions here on Monday Morning Huddle. And And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Now, we recapped the games from this past weekend. We're going to move on to predictions for next week. Uh, in case you haven't figured it out yet, uh, New England will host the Baltimore Ravens. That is the night game on Sunday, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship. A uh, rematch of, uh, I think it was week two or week three. I think it was week three of the regular season. Baltimore won that one, New England winning the championship game last year. Um, and in the NFC, the first game on Sunday will be San Francisco, the two seed, going to visit the one seed, the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, only uh, home game or home team losing last week, again, was the Denver Broncos. So Baltimore uh, is the four seed visiting the two seed, New England. We'll start with the NFC since it's the first game. It's going to be at uh, 3.30 or 3 o'clock on Sunday, one of those times, <laughs> uh, very specific, on uh, Fox, as uh, the NFC always is. Um, I'm taking uh, San Francisco. Uh, I, I actually had Atlanta in this game. I didn't have San Francisco. I had Green Bay originally beating San Francisco. But um, now that San Francisco has won and is in the championship game, I think the 49ers uh, are just, you know, flat out better than Atlanta. And I think Atlanta lacks a killer instinct that a champion really needs to have. And uh, I'm happy for them that they won their first playoff game, or Matt Ryan and Mike Smith. But I just don't think they do enough things well um, to, to beat a really sound team like the 49ers. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, once again, is going to be running. Um, and Him and Frank Gore are a great running tandem. And you got to stop the passing game, too. Uh, Colin Kaepernick to Michael Crabtree is a pretty good uh, hookup right now. And uh, on offense uh, for, for the Falcons, I think Matt Ryan can get a little bit done against the 49ers, but that's a tough defense. And I, th I think that if the Falcons are going to win, they're going to have to outscore them. Uh, you kind of saw that across the board in all four games this past weekend. The team that won was the team that outscored the other. I mean, obviously that's always the case. The team that wins scores more points. But you know what I mean, that, that these, these games are really offensive games and the team uh, that makes the fewest mistakes, as always, again, um, but the team that makes the fewest mistakes and, and um, has the more efficient offense rather than the best defense, are winning these playoff games. And, and I think uh, San Francisco is going to have a more efficient offense. Maybe it's not as potent as a passing attack with Matt Ryan and all his weapons, but I, I think I expect Matt Ryan to make some mistakes against that 49er defense, and I don't think the Falcons are going to be able to stop that running game. 
So 49ers go to the Super Bowl from the NFC is my prediction. From the AFC, really intriguing matchup, rematch from last year. Uh, I'm excited to see this game. Uh, maybe the, the best game of the season. I was excited to see a bunch of games from this past weekend, um, including the, the my number one game was San Francisco and Green Bay, but that uh, ended up kind of being a, a disappointment, at least in the second half. Um, I'm predicting the Ravens to come up with a really big road game, uh, road win. I, I think Baltimore, just watching them play in Denver, I just think it's their year. Um, and, and, you know, I think both these teams are really good. They're really close. Uh, I, I think Baltimore is going to be capable enough to to get a mistake or two from Tom Brady, make him make a mistake. They they got a few interceptions last year in that championship game, but the offense and Joe Flacco wasn't able to take advantage of it. The offense for the Baltimore is better this year. They have Torrey Smith. He's much uh, a much better wide receiver than he was a year ago as a rookie. Um, I don't think the the Patriots will be able to cover Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolden. I don't think they'll be able to cover cover either one. This is going to be a, a high-scoring affair, I really think. And the one that loses the turnover battle is going to lose the game. And I think uh, Baltimore's defense is better at getting turnovers than New England's. And I, I just have a feeling that in Ray Lewis's uh, last season, supposedly, that Baltimore just finds another way to win this game. Um, and, uh, so the, we mentioned earlier in the show that New England, if they go to another Super Bowl, I mean, Tom Brady is trying to win his fourth. He's been trying to win his fourth, I guess, for a while now. He has missed on two chances against, uh, the, the Giants. They will not be facing the Giants this year if they make it. I think that's, Tom Brady might be happy with that. <laughs> um, but... I, I think it, it, it's got to be in the back of New England's mind, or maybe not the players, but the fans' mind. It would be if I was a fan of New England. I don't want to go back and lose. You know, um, early on when they were winning in that dynasty, you know, yeah, of course I want to go, I want to go, I want to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. Would you rather lose in the championship game? Or would you rather lose in the Super Bowl? Me, personally, I'd rather lose in the championship game. As painful as championship losses are, if if you know for sure, I mean, obviously you don't know, but if you know for sure that you're not going to win the Super Bowl, I'd rather not go to the Super Bowl. That's just me. I'd love to hear from our listeners. Uh, you can tweet at me, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Uh, email me, dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, search Dave's Football News. I'd love to hear your comments about the show. And also the, the question I, I posed, would you rather lose in the Super Bowl or the championship game? I think it depends on what team, but uh, you know, the team that hasn't been to the Super Bowl very often um, or hasn't been there in a while, uh, might want to go and experience the Super Bowl, but New England's been there. They've done that. They don't want to go to experience the Super Bowl. They want to win the Super Bowl. I think Baltimore, Baltimore's probably a franchise that would want to go. And obviously they want to win, but they want to play in it. New England doesn't want to play in the Super Bowl. They want to win it. And, I mean, that may sound kind of uh, 
cliche to to some listeners. Obviously, everybody wants to win the Super Bowl, but the, but I I think there are a select few franchises, or, or or quite a few franchises. I think that you know the goal is to get there first. I think there are a select few franchises. Their goal is not to get there. Their goal is to win it. And New England, I think, is definitely one of those franchises. But to sum up, uh, I don't think New England will make the Super Bowl, although I'm only 4-4 uh, four and four overall with my picks. So, uh, you know, chances are I get one of these games wrong. But my prediction, San Francisco will be playing Baltimore in Super Bowl 47. It'll be a hardball bowl, um, and that'll be quite interesting, seeing two head coaches, uh, brother head coaches, face each other in the Super Bowl. We're going to take another quick break. Here's another one from Meatloaf. Uh, and then we'll come back and wrap up today's show. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. One more time, I'm going to give out my Twitter, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Uh, my email, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook. Search Dave's Football News. I'd love to hear your comments uh, or any questions you have about our show. Uh, before we leave, I'm just going to reference an article written by Tom Pollan. Uh, the 10 biggest plays of the 2013 division round. It's a really good piece. I love uh, Tom Pollan's uh, stuff. Uh, he, we brought him on our show a little earlier in the season, back in September, actually. If uh, any of you are out there are uh, weekly listeners, he's been on the show. He's a great guy uh, and a really good writer. Um, so you should check out his slideshow and his countdown of the 10 best things from this past weekend. And there's another article, I'm referencing another piece that I've written, but uh, it's a year old, but it's still timely. Uh, a lot of people, we, we talked about, uh, mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of people said this week that Division week Weekend is their favorite. My favorite is Championship Weekend. Um, this weekend coming up, I really think it's the four best teams. It's almost always the four best teams every single year uh, in that championship game, and I just think the history behind it is what makes it special. You have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, which is groundbreaking. It's it's history in the making if you're a big sports fan. It's a, two games you can't miss. Division round, yeah, there's a lot of great action. There's more games. But um, to me, uh, unless it's a really outstanding game, maybe like a Baltimore-Denver game this past weekend, you don't really those division games don't really get remembered. Um, to me, championship weekend... It's all. I think it's like the Super Bowl. I think the real big football fans. If you remember that, if you remember all the Super Bowls, I think you're going to remember all the championship games. And in a lot of cases, the championship games are more exciting uh, than the um, Super Bowls. Though we've had some great Super Bowls as of late and some great Super Bowl matchups, but you know you really can't beat a, a New England Baltimore rematch. You know, no matter what the matchup is in this year's Super Bowl. To me, that is the game of the year. I think it really is the game of the year. It's going to be exciting stuff. So if you want, um, you can check out my article from last year, still relevant. Um, I argue why Championship Sunday is better 
than Super Bowl Sunday. That's all we have for this week's show. Until next week, I'm going to go try and find some peace. Peace.